It's the Brew Ha Ha Podcast with Steve Jackson and Mark Carpenter. It's the Drive Brew Ha Ha. Our great friend and Drive Hall of Famer, Mark Carpenter from Anchor, is here. How we doing? Okay, buddy. All right. As I have you do every time you're in, give us another encapsulated version of the history of Anchor and your involvement. Well, I'll be happy to. Uh, uh, 1971... I was looking for something uh, new in my life, and as many people were doing in the late 60s and 70s, um, and <clears throat> living in San Francisco, we had uh, lots of opportunity to, to try different things, and um, I went and applied for a job at Anchor Brewing, and I got hired. I was uh, one of three people in the brewery then. There was the owner, Fritz Maytag, and, and Carolyn Nessus was the secretary at the time. And I became one of three. And we were the uh, U.S.'s smallest brewery in those days. And the first year I was there, we only did about 1,000 barrels, maybe 1,200. Um, so we were just tiny. But it was such an un- unbelievable place to work because we only had, we had a relatively large brew size uh, this brew kettle we had from because the brewery went way back to the 1800s and and uh, so we only had to brew about once a month to produce the beer we needed so wow. when we brewed we all did it when we uh, fermented it we all did it bottled it we all did it. so it was honestly kind of like a brewing university and especially working for Fritz Maytag who uh, just loves science and he established a small lab in the brewery and really built out quality from that lab and so as we grew we uh, we hired more people and and uh, but for the most part it was a few years before we kind of had to start specializing but i always had the pleasure of uh, being able to work everywhere in the brewery and and uh, it was just fabulous and we moved from uh, we were at 541 8th street which was at 8th and Bryant. And in 1979, we moved to Petrero Hill to the old Chase and Sanborn coffee plant. And uh, took us two years to get the coffee out and the beer in. Uh, and that's where it still is today. And, uh, and we grew to be a pretty large brewery there. Relatively to Sierra, we've always been smaller than Sierra and uh, other breweries that people think that Anchor is bigger than. Uh, we've been a relatively small brewery and, and still are. But we've made some great beers. I mean, Anchor Steam Beer, I think, is one of the world's great beers. Steam was the only one we made when I worked there. Really? Uh, yes, it was the only one. Uh, we made a light, uh, a regular steam, and then we made a dark steam. But the dark steam was just a, uh added caramel coloring to it. And it was only a few bars wanted that, and it was only on draft. But that was not... Fritz's style. So one of the first things he did once we really got up and producing was to end the uh, dark steam beer, and um, and then we would uh, he started the porter. We first made Anchor Porter, which is a real dark beer made with lots of roasted malts. You know, when we made the the dark steam with the caramel coloring, the one of the only customers was um, the No Name Bar in Sausalito. And I guess they called one day and said they didn't think that our last batch of dark was all that dark, you know. Well, I just had this copper pitcher that we poured the caramel coloring in the keg. So I said, okay, you want it dark? Just keep pouring. <laughs> but Fritz was wow. great. Fritz was great. He ended that and started our Anchor Porter. That was the first beer other than steam we made. Then he went on to 
do Liberty Ale to commemorate the uh, uh, 200th anniversary of, of uh, Paul Revere's ride. Because in, in 1976, there was going to be the bicentennial. Yeah. And every company country and every company in the country was going to have some bicentennial product so fritz got him a year early by doing a bicentennial of paul revere's ride the april 18th 1775 and and that's how liberty ale got started and again fritz maytag i always point out part of the maytag family correct uh, with the washers and the dryers and correct. The, the the maytag repairman guy and yeah, that's him that's him and he uh grew up in iowa and he and he moved out here to go to stanford and that's where living at stanford and 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 being in the city is where he found steam beer uh he always tells a story that was mainly at the there was a place down at stanford i think the dutch goose or something that, that sold steam beer on draft but he liked the, this restaurant called the Old Spaghetti Factory in North Beach. Yep. Wonder, wonderful place. And, it was a cool place. Yeah, it's I mean, real cool. Simple, but great. Not a great name. No. <laughs> no, but when I first moved to the North Bay, I spent some time there and went, yeah, this is a cool place. Yeah, it was the heart of North Beach. Had a wonderful yeah. vibe to it, you yeah. know. Well, the only beer on draft they ever had was steam beer. And the owner of that place... Um, he loved the idea of steam beer. He was not from San Francisco. He was from Chicago. But when he moved out here, he found steam beer. And here was this little historic brewery from the 1800s, the only one left making steam beer. And, and he just loved the idea that it was local. And, and um, it, when the brewery was going out of business, he said to Fritz, you should go look at this brewery. He didn't intend that Fritz should buy it, but he said, look, it's going to go out of business. It's going to be lost. It's a real part of history. You should just go check it out because, you know, breweries are wonderful places. If you ever visit a brewery, they are kind of magical, you know, especially if you like machinery and stuff. Boy, it's all there. And it's, they're just wonderful atmospheres. So Fritz went to see the brewery. And uh, like most people, he just fell in love with it. This old tap room was really so nice. It was just unbelievable, and uh, it's hard to describe. But anyway, it just had a nice vibe to it. Um, so he wound up buying the brewery. And he always says he, he wound up buying it for what, what you'd pay for a – or less than you'd pay for a good car uh, because there was he wasn't buying much. He, he was really just in disrepair, and, and uh, it only had one pump in the entire brewery. So he he took that facility. Yes, paid what uh, he's uh, not much for it. Not much, right? Yeah. And then really spent some time and money and turned it into what correct it, what it became, which correct. is huge. Correct. And when we left that little building, we were probably the most modern little brewery in the nation because we were at that time uh, still the some of the major breweries were not all stainless steel, and other than the copper kettle. All our tanks were stainless. All our piping was stainless. A completely sanitary brewery. Fritz wanted to make a beer and and uh, and not pasteurized it, which in those days was really risky because every brewery in the U.S. had pasteurized beer, with the exception of Coors, by the way. But the uh, they had pasteurized beer, and he didn't want to run the risk of having beer bad, going bad on the shelf because when he bought it, Anchor had a lot of bad beer. Uh, he tells the story once that he was, when he bought it, he used to do some parties there, art events and whatnot. 
And so they were having this event. He put a keg on draft for the party, and it was sour. And there was no good beer in the brewery. So he he um, started calling around to uh, accounts and seeing if anybody had some beer. And, and, well, there was a card room down the peninsula called Artichoke Joe's. And they were an old anchor draft place, one of the few. And he went down and got a keg. He tasted it, got it back from Artichoke Joe's and and uh, and served it at the uh, at the brewery that night. He, so that's the kind of trouble he had finding good beer. So he was determined to have good beer. Now, in hindsight, he could have just said, well, tonight's beer is a Belgian beer <laughs> because they're all sour. <laughs> sour. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> but he didn't, he didn't want to do that. He went... Uh, so Artichoke Joe's, which was a card room, uh, where he got got his beer and he had, had this to go party. Buy his own beer back. Buy his own beer back. Yeah. It is the drive brouhaha. Mark Carpenter's with us. We'll talk to her Linda after the break with Mark Carpenter. It's the drive brouhaha. Her Linda. Hello. It's three thirty-seven <laughs> in the morning in Helsinki. It is. I am 10 hours ahead of you guys in the land of the ice and snow, which has been running through my head all day, although it's 80, been 80 degrees here. So the snow is pretty light. <laughs> <laughs> and the ice is water. So exactly what are you doing in Helsinki besides drinking beer, which we know you are, but what else? Is it a, a judging thing that you're doing? Yes. I am judging the Swoman Paris Olot. Which is oh yeah, we all finish. know what that is. <laughs> Easy for you to say. That's another movie that Mike's never going to see. <laughs> uh, he'd like it here. There's there's a lot of uh, ice hockey uh, st- stuff here. Everybody's into ice hockey. I'm judging the Finnish national beer competition. Swoman Paras Olat. Olat is the Finnish word for beer. Um, and uh, you say kippis when you say cheers here. So. I did a little bit of studying. They've actually said I, I pronounced the Finnish words really well, but I'll tell you what, this language is really hard to read. I'm pretty good with languages, but uh, when I was in Shanghai and now Helsinki has been the toughest languages. Has the competition begun? Are you in the thick of it, or are you still waiting to begin? Um, we are um, done now, mostly. Uh, I got, I, we did all the judging. And um, we narrowed down the best of show. Um, I got to be on the team for that, so that was nice. And then uh, today we are going to the beer festival and fi- you know, finalizing the best of show with a small group of us um, as well. And uh, it's actually an outdoor beer festival. The, the sun stays up here until like 11 o'clock at night. And then the sun rises again at 3 a.m. So there's only four hours of darkness, and then the rest of the time is sun. I'm staying in Sonoma County. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't handle that, man. He wants a place well, that only has four hours of light yeah. and the rest of the well, day. Two. Two would be good. <laughs> then seven months out of the year, um, maybe it's even more, they only get like four hours of sunlight. So, um, they used to have a really high suicide rate, you know, because of all the darkness, but they've, you know, been able to manage all that. This is, Finland's been named the happiest country in the world for the last three years in a row. So, um, when they invited me, 
and you know I wanted to see you know of course it was like so like the Larry very last minute did I know if I was going to be able to come because of all the COVID restrictions etc. Um, but when you know I want to go to the happiest country in the world, who wouldn't want to go to the happiest country in the world, right? How are they handling the COVID? Are they, are they pretty high rate of vaccination or you wearing masks everywhere? Everybody wears masks. Um, everybody here is very, you know, logical, sensible. The place is—it's a clean. It's such a clean place. Everything is clean and organized. Yeah, Mark. Um, Mark said that he said it's a gorgeous city, but it's really expensive. It's expensive, but you know what? It's about the same as. Um, uh, but I'd say between Sonoma County and San Francisco prices for things. Um, but the transportation, they have high taxes, but those taxes pay for really good transportation, um, a tram throughout the town, um, a metro, you know, like a subway, the fa- you know, nice ferry, um, buses, like every five minutes there's a bus. And so it's really, really cheap to use the transportation here, but that's part of what their taxes pay for. And then um, they have excellent health care. And, like, one of my friends here was saying when she did have to spend the night in the hospital after a surgery, the entire thing only cost her, like, $9. Um, That's yeah. why I have Kaiser. So. Steve's <laughs> moving to Helsinki. <laughs> <laughs> he'll take yeah. the light yeah, and he'll you take medical get care. your money's worth here. <laughs> All right. Her Linda's live with us from Helsinki at uh, 342 tomorrow morning. So, again, once again, we're in the future. On the show, I can predict the, the drive spans the stock spans the globe. The we're talking, the uh, yeah, we're talking to the future. Uh, it is the drive brouhaha. Mark Carpenter's here. It's brought to you by uh, Russian River Brewing and formerly the Beverage People, which is now called something else. And I'm going to let Harry and her Linda tell everyone how great our sponsors are. It's the Beverage People the beverage Fermenters people Warehouse. Fermenters. <laughs> they are a fermentation supply warehouse for all your successful craft production, from brewing to winemaking to cider to mead making to kombucha to sparkling drinks and so on. You can get all sorts of information about them by going to the website, thebeveragepeople.com. And they're on Piner Road, and they've been doing this since 1980 here in uh, Sonoma County. Now, what's going on at Russian River Brewing? I know I'm asking you while it's... Uh, Almost four in the morning in Helsinki, but uh, <laughs> but you follow it all. You know, uh, you talk to okay. Natalie and Vinny all the time. So what they're up to, they're open? Well, they, they're open at both sites. Of course, everybody here in Finland has heard of, of the you know beer people. I've heard of them and want to know about them. So I tell them about the Windsor spot and uh, the Santa Rosa 4th Street spot and how pretty the preserve is where you can sit outside and have a beer in Windsor. I picked up a um, Pliny the Elder double dry hopped in a can um, on my way to the airport. And um, some, of course, some nice fresh Pliny the Elder because uh, I don't think I'll be let into any countries if I don't bring some with me. And uh, I shared some with the judges, which was very nice. Uh, Vidi and Natalie actually were just at NHRA, uh, one of the NHRA drivers, is a huge Russian River fan. So they actually brought the, one of the race cars, the drag races, down to the Windsor spot, and they were doing um, letting people do pictures with it. So that was kind of cool. Um, I know they've always been into the drag races. So 
I know they uh, downtown they are open every day um, and you know they're serving food every day I believe it is Monday and Tuesday in Windsor that they are uh, not open except for the bottle shop and um, you know you can pick up beers you can pick up gift swag etc there uh, and then you can go eat the rest of the days and have beers in, inside and outside as well. All right. Our proud sponsors of Bruhaha for the first time ever, having their commercials uh, read Finland. by someone in Phil S- Hill S- <laughs> Helsinki, <laughs> Finland. Helsinki, thank you. Uh, her Linda uh, is there judging a beer uh, thing in Helsinki. Uh, and I believe... Mark's been here. Oh, yeah, Mark. I was telling him a little bit about it. I just think it's a great place. I've always had a good time there. But tell me, the um, are you judging just uh, Finnish beers, or are there other Scandinavian beers? They are only Finnish beers. And then, of course, you know a beer that is a native to Finland called Sati. Yes. So yeah. we, had, we had some Satis. I got to judge in the Sati category, which is the really old, Old. It's the oldest beer style um, still going in the world. And then I got invited to judge a, a pure competition um, next week. So I'm really excited about that. All right. We're starting to have some uh, Skype problems live from Helsinki Uh-oh. at almost 4 in the morning. Uh, so we will say, Uh-oh. Herlinda, thank you very much. Have fun in Helsinki, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, guys. Okay. Bye-bye. A 3.0 earthquake has shooken. Did I say that word right? At this point, I don't know. Shooken Lake County. so late in the program. 3.0 earthquake in Lake County. That's all the uh, information we have at this point, but Mike will uh, look into it. It's the Drive Brouhaha with Mark Carpenter. And, of course... The head of the drive, Bruhaha, our beer director, Harry Duke. You guys are going to talk about, uh, what did you say? Uh, trends in craft beer. Trends in craft Both beer. That's good. That's good. Yeah, yeah, rumors and uh, yeah. whatnot. And, um, I did, <coughs> the one thing that caught my eye and it, it is uh, that I news that I like to see that um, truly seltzer, their trends are down quite a bit. They're a public company now, so they it affected their stock price. And and um, when did the hard seltzer trend start? Because boy, that, yeah. I've I have no interest in seltzer whatsoever. No, I agree with you, and I don't. I you know it's got to be five years, but it it's there's always been that kind of beer, you know, or that kind of drink, Zima. And um, Bartles. Boy, I haven't thought of that in yeah. many, many years. Oh, God, neither have I. <laughs> oh, that's disgusting. Steve's had to leave the studio. <laughs> Bartles and James. Wine coolers. Wine coolers. All that types. They just come and go. And um, seltzers came on pretty strong. And as a beer lover, I'm, I like it if, they're, if the seltzers are going to go away, you know. But uh, they're probably still selling enough that... Uh, that they're still making a lot of money, but I like the trend. Who did who did they appeal to, or who do they still appeal to? Oh, I've always called this a sixteen-year-old girl beers. <laughs> but, 
But, but since it's, they can't drink it because it's illegal, uh, I just don't know for sure. I think it's people who just, um, you know, they're looking to get high, and it's just an easy drinking uh, drink, you know. People going out on a Saturday night, maybe before they go to the club, they have a couple seltzers or something like that, you know. I just, uh, I just don't know. And some companies put significant money into this seltzer line and they're kind of regretting it now right oh man the uh, yes because they're easy to make and uh so the the cost of making them is just almost nothing you know it's it's just alcohol and flavor uh and carbonation and and so it's all in marketing the money all goes into the marketing and there's been a couple big brands uh white claw and and uh um, and truly but now I notice that Anheuser-Busch, if I'm correct, I think they stopped making their seltzer. It wasn't going anywhere. So I'm hoping that that's the coming trend and people will get back to drinking beer. So seltzer on its way out. Any thoughts of what might be on its way in or up? No, I should, uh, <laughs> uh, I should have an opinion on that. But I don't know what's going to be the next thing because there's always going to be a next thing. That's for sure. Okay. Um, I think that, well, very possibly the next thing is going to be lighter craft beers. Uh, you know, we had Ramon Tamayo on the show the other day, and he presented a an Italian Pilsner. Um, and I see that there's other craft brewers doing Italian Pilsners. Uh, and there's a couple who have done Mexican lagers. And and so I think you're you're going to see some some lighter beers. Um uh, Kolsch is an, is a style that I just love. I and do it, too, and it's a relatively light beer, and so they're, they those are becoming fairly popular. I think that possi- possibly part of that is just that um, you know IPAs became such a uh, a contest. It's like a chili eating contest. How hot could you? Take your chili. Having judged a chili eating contest recently, I can tell you after about twenty of them. It starts to get old. Yes, yeah, uh, and I feel the same way about e- IPAs because you couldn't walk into a craft brewery and not see the majority of the items listed on the board being IPAs. Yes, yes, and they and so they were all just trying to out hop each other. Um, with that said, there's some great beers out there. You know, one thing I've maintained is that um, if you're looking for good beers, look for the pale ales. I mean, uh, Liberty Ale, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Um, and uh, I forget the name, uh, Hen House makes some great pale ales, you know, that are not so hoppy, but they're just delicious and, and great drinking beers. Uh, but the, the IPAs, I think, are still the, probably the most asked for in bars, you know. What about, uh, what do you see the, for the future of craft brewing particularly in this local community there's there was a while that it looked like there was going to be a little shakeout that some folks weren't going to cut it or make it uh any sense of what direction that may be headed no but i haven't really looked at the numbers but i will say my personal belief is uh craft beer is going to be around for a long time you know that um if once you drink craft beer whether it's ipas or just some of these nice lagers that they're doing once you drink those, you're not going back to the major brands. Um, it's just, it's like uh, if you when you get into espresso coffee, you know, it, you're not going back to regular coffee. It's um, there's just too much flavor there. 
Um, and the one the one trend I hope I'd see, which I don't know this happened, I'd like to see some of the breweries go back to a little bit lighter in alcohol, uh, get down to five percent by volume, because uh, I I uh, I believe that beer drinkers like to drink volume, uh, but we don't necessarily want to get really drunk. Uh, I've always loved the English pale ales that'll be three percent. Uh, by volume or four percent by volume, and they serve them in big twenty ounce pints. So you know you drink a few of those at a pub, you'll get a nice buzz going, but you'll be able to walk home and be just fine. <laughs> I, I know we had a recent guest in who brought one of the lower alcohol beers, which I found tasty. Um, and I know other brewers have gotten into the no alcohol yeah. beer, not quite as tasty. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> I'm not into the no alcohol. I mean, <laughs> What's the point? <laughs> What's the point? I had a good friend that I worked with for years. He said, "Why take a good beer? Why take a good beer and screw it up?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but you're right that the uh, a lot of the breweries are doing what they call daytime beers, right. lower alcohol beers, and I think some of those are excellent. Yeah, I mean, uh, someone who's enjoyed beer for most of his entire adult life, and and for a short portion his non-adult life. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've I've enjoyed the the change and growth in in the beer biz. You know, yeah. uh, I'll be honest with the folks. Mark brought in a couple of domestics. We shan't name them. Yeah. Um, and and it is a domestic that I enjoyed regularly in my youth. Um, but it's not something that I would even consider drinking currently no. or in the future <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for the rest of my life because the flavor just isn't there and you reach a point where you drink for flavor there's it, the buzz is a nice side effect if that's what yes. you're looking for but it's got to come down to the flavor of the beer and domestic light beers in particular have none um and and again if you've enjoyed craft beer of whatever type you 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 get used to having a genuine flavor and a body to it yeah you're absolutely right you're absolutely right which is probably one of the reasons that the major brewers have been buying up to the craft breweries right oh yeah i I mean there's certainly there's um you know blue moon which was a product of uh, coors company um the guy who invented uh, blue moon i was talking to him once and he said that peter coors came up to him and said he needed to apologize to him because he tried to stop their company from making that three times (laughs) (laughs) and it's such a hit that they they made so much money off it he finally had to give in and let this guy make his blue moon uh, and Blumen's been very successful and lots of flavor for a major brewery. It was, I think, it was really quite, um, uh, quite something that they would come out with something really distinctive like that. Because most major breweries, when they tried to come out with something distinctive, they're pretty lame. Yeah, yeah. It's all about the packaging yes. and the marketing. Yes. And very little about the beer. Yes. All right. Well, what do we got going here, Mike? We good? We're going to wrap it up and take a break? All right. So we've been enjoying our conversation with Mark Carpenter here on The Drive Brouhaha, brought to you by The Beverage People, Fermenters Warehouse. Quickly, Mark, is there a beer uh, that you want to throw out there that you've enjoyed recently that we might not have heard of? You know, um, I think uh, on the light end, uh, I was at Taps in Petaluma, and I tried a Trumer Pills. I think that's a, a, a fabulous it's Pills. a solid beer. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and uh, I also had a hen house the other night. I'll be damned if I can th- remember which one it was. But I just think that they do a fabulous job. Well, then just go try one of each. Yeah, that's right? it. That's <laughs> right, it. Folks, thanks.